0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a ton of comic books that come out this week. Kicking it off with Deadpool, number one from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Martin Cocolo. In this issue, as you can probably tell from the number one, we're getting a new take on Deadpool here from a new team. He is still working with folks on Krakoa, but... That's not totally important here, as he has been contracted by a secret society of assassins to kill Doctor Octopus. He's gotten waylaid in the middle by a new villain called the Harrower. The Harrower, yes. Har-er. There you go. Uh, and Are you all right? Uh, um, having a little bit of a stroke. Don't worry about it. But okay, it cool. is uh, fun. Had a fun time. Oh,
1: nice. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's a lot of fun. I feel like it's a nice, fresh kind of start with Deadpool. Uh, I appreciated the the start of it. I feel like it has a great feel to it. Uh, of course, uh, tight as bananas are. Um, but I... Tight uh, as bananas, you said. I also think that, like, the, um, the kind of voice of Deadpool I really like, um... Uh, and it's an interesting setup, you know. I'm glad that we're away from Fuck Island, so I feel like this is let's get Deadpool away from the stupid stuff and have him interact with some different things. Uh, this is exciting, very cool.
2: Um, I, I mean, I don't agree with that take uh, per se. I, okay. This comic, I, I feel like Deadpool can just be you don't bent. Have to be a
1: dick about you know, separating yourself from my opinion. You know what I mean?
2: Well, but your opinion is very negative about um, so the just entire x Let me explain
0: how podcasts and reviewing work. So, <laughs> go ahead, Justin.
2: Uh, the, um, the Deadpool can be bent in any direction, and this is another sort of fun... I'm curious if this will sort of be an ongoing part of the series. The idea here that the Harrower is implanting a symbiote inside Deadpool because his healing factor will allow the symbiote to grow and recover, grow grow bigger and and more dangerous. Um, So there's that. There's a a secret society of assassins, Deadpool trying to kill Doc Ock, naturally getting hurt and injured, while still um, a lot of the same Deadpool um, fun. Uh, So like... Uh, I I like this. I thought it was a nice newer, um, newer way into uh, having Deadpool continue some of the stuff that he's done for quite some time.
0: Since we talked about spoilers a little bit, I did like the idea of probably where we're heading is that Deadpool is going to have to carry around some sort of carnage baby. That seems like a sort of a classic Deadpool setup in a certain way, which I appreciated. And also, another thing that I really appreciate... It doesn't appreciated, seem like it's a baby. It seems like it's a full-grown it carnage. It does seem full-grown. I was kind of... Maybe that's what I was looking You wanted, for. like, it, a Baby Yoda type of thing, but with I carnage. did. I wanted a Mandalorian, except
2: with Deadpool and a tiny
0: little carnage. That's fun.
2: I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah. Right, let's not get crazy here. Yeah, let's see what happens. We'll
0: keep reading the series. The other thing that I appreciated is... In a very pleasantly surprising way, Deadpool continues to be one of the most welcoming books in the Marvel universe in terms of there is a character that he's clearly crushing on who is non-binary in this book. I know we're making a big deal by calling it out, but they don't make it a big deal in the book. It just is. No. And Deadpool continues to be a character that like is totally accepting of everybody across the board. And I, I love that. I love continuing that. It's very smart. It's very fun. Uh, and it's yeah. very true to the character as well.
2: And when you said gateway, cause I agree with you, it is great. And on. On top of that, Deadpool feels like a great gateway comic for people who maybe like the movies but don't read comics. Um, so I, a great gateway comic in that way as well for an outside reader.
0: Yeah. Let's go on and talk about Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, number one Whoa. from TC Comics by Mark Silvestri. You could probably figure this out by the title, but this is about Batman and the Joker teaming up. What you probably can figure out is it is about a bunch of evil Jokers who are taking over Gotham City. What'd you guys think about this one?
1: Well, first, you gotta say, you know, sick covers, bro. I mean, uh, those covers are a lot Absolutely. of fun. Uh, and of course, tight ass bananas art. Uh, I All feel right. like this is a really fun story with amazing action. It has a, it has kind of the classic Batman feel, but it, uh, it also feels kind of new and exciting. So I think they do a great job with this, uh, issue. I love this team. I'm excited to see what happens here hobbies
2: um uh, just to to talk about Pete for a second here, you know the movie Nell. Where um, from back for the, uh, from back in the day where which is not i I'm sure maybe not a movie that's aged well yeah but or it's a top kind of, of
1: mind reference that you're making the
2: the, the character in that speaks a, a language that's all her own and I feel like we're getting there with Pete like as honestly like I feel like we're bordering bordering on like I don't know I don't understand what Pete sort of means but I don't know what the words are anymore like I feel like we could chart what Pete slipping words? into a nonsense language over the course of these or many. Chick- what I do? Yeah, Chicopee. Uh, maybe yeah. I've seen that movie
1: too many times in my life. Uh, <laughs> I would say so because the fact that it's like right there for you to reference is—it's I mean, all I, on the top I, of to mind. Just fed Justin. I got it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Go ahead, uh, and a lot of we have a lot of Nell fans on in our fan base. There's a huge Venn diagram crossover there. Batman and the Joker. What a who would have thought these guys would ever team up? Yeah, and here we are with um, some uh, Mark Silvestri um, art. Uh, really um, bringing back sort of the classic, in the very much in the style of uh, your Jim Lee uh, classic yep, image right. situation images, here. Yeah, a right. lot of sketch lines you can yeah. take here.
0: Can I, can I throw something out there that might be a little rude? And I know we tend to well, be very positive on this then podcast. Don't do it. Uh, no, I'm going to do it anyway. I love Mark Silvestri's art from back in the day. One of my absolute faves. I think he's over inked here. Like, I Whoa. I don't know if it was the pencils that he delivered. Obviously, we're a couple of decades on at this point. But there's something about the art. And I'm all for an artist evolving and finding a new style and playing in new things. But there's something about here that isn't quite as sharp as the way that Mark Silvestri was back in the 90s and 2000s. And that might just be the normal, like, I'm a penciler. This is my aging process. So that's fine, and I get that, and I'm not slamming that. Uh, but it, it it didn't pop as much to me.
2: Well, it's interesting you say that because I agree with you, especially in a lot of the sections before the Joker, the actual Joker arrives, um, and this book makes me think that these villainous Jokers are going to end up being half Joker, half Batman uh, simulacrums. And I I think the sketchiness of the art, and it, it does sort of wash together when it feels extra shadowy and dark, feels like it's very Batman. And when the Joker... The capital j joker arrives he pops and he's because he's super pale and everything and i wonder if maybe it's a little bit of a conscious choice to to mm-hmm. sort of do that it could be but i because i do agree with you alex that it was a bit muddy especially until the joker arrived so i'd be curious if that's more of a conscious choice or more of just like a uh, sort of like this it, this is very batman and we're about to get more joker
0: Yep, I guess we'll see. Let's move on and talk about The Ones. Number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Jacob Edgar. This is a new book, as you can tell from The Number One, that is taking place in a world where there is a bunch of different Chosen Ones. You've got a Buffy the Vampire Slayer-style Chosen One. You have a, I don't know, like the child of God style chosen one. You've got a superhero chosen one, a bunch of others all brought together to stop the apocalypse. Um, Spoilers here, big spoilers, but it is the concept of the book. Basically they're brought together as a team to stop this apocalypse. And they're like, yeah, we got enough time. It's all good. And then the end of the book, the big reveal the kickoff, the story is like, Nope, they don't. They think they have 10 years. They actually have six and they totally screw it up. Uh, They think I have 16 years, and they actually have six. It's okay. You went to Cornell. Math's not your favorite thing. Absolutely not. I studied theater arts. I (laughs) got to tell you, I was a little hesitant about this because I like Brian Michael Mendes in general, but I feel like, like we've talked about, there have been certain aspects where he's been voting certain things in. It's felt like this... It was fun. This felt to me like the same sort of vibe as a Powers or some other Bendis book back in the day. I really dug this quite a bit, and I'm very excited to check out the second issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, call it the ones and then having a number one, and that that's a lot of ones. But I think that uh, getting past all of that, <laughs> I think that, yeah, talking about that a guy who assuming, doesn't get numbers. Yeah. That was a hard thing for all of us to
0: get past. Go yeah, ahead. yeah
1: because uh, then it's gonna be one's number two, and you're like, wait, what? But it's confusing. I is that think, it's 12? is yeah, it twelve? Is it twelve? But one right. and two. Um, but I do like the team. I also really like, um, the kind of person who's recruiting them. Uh, funny, interesting character. So you know, and then the fun reveal of uh, you know, uh, the devil baby, which is a classic fun twist. But I, I think this is a, a, does a good enough job as a first issue of, like, setting things up, getting you introduced to a new world, and getting you excited for more. Um, yeah, I
2: mean, in contrast to the Mark Silvestri art we were just talking about, this Jacob Edgar art is super clean um, and uh, cartoon-esque Uh Sure, sure. Which I think works as a nice sort of sort of bounces off the concept, the sort of heavy premise concept of all these the ones coming together. It makes everything a little make a little bit more sense, which I really like. And, yeah, I agree with you, Alex. I feel like this is one of the better Bendis uh, projects that I've seen lately. It is strong premise that is really played out in, in a fun way. Uh, so, yeah, this is definitely one I would pick up uh, a next issue. Hell to pay. I can figure out this numbering situation. Jeez, Very confusing. The one's number two. Oh, no thanks. Hell
0: to pay, number one, from Image Comics, written by Charles Saul, art by Will Sliney. This is taking place in a world where a bunch of hell coins, 666 to be precise. Oh, See what they did there? Do you see it? distributed all over the world and rich people have gotten control of them to get control of demons. There's two people who have been tasked to get them back. What'd you guys think about this?
2: Uh, This was fun. I mean, I feel like Charles uh, has been doing a lot of books where it's not just like the, like, Oh, hell coins. We got to track down these hell coins. There's um, a lot of additional um, ideas baked into a lot of his comic books lately, which I think is, is really,
1: Yes. No, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your... No, please. I was going to say, plus it's it's very interesting because it's taking its time. It's not like rushing into the premise and like throwing into it. Like you're stopping to enjoy the scenery and this, you know, uh, whether it's a dog or some old uh, parchment on the walls, it's, uh, you know, it's it's got a confidence about it, I think is what Justin's talking about.
2: A hundred percent. And like we've all stopped to enjoy a dog. Yeah.
1: Right, Pete? That's what you're saying. Well, yeah, uh, sometimes you got to, you know, you're walking around the world and, uh, you know, an adorable little dog walks up to you. You've got to say, what up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm I talking hear, about yeah. the Tasmanian tiger that was extinct that they pointed out in the comic. Yes, and uh, uh,
2: let me just say, none of the characters stopped to enjoy this dog, which in fact is a cat, a tiger, um, that is uh, <laughs> casually referenced and never really I'm, spoken about in this comic book. But let me say I like the introduction of this the shrouded college we get here. I like the story and the um sort of situation our main characters are in on top of the fact that um this hellcoin thing not only is a big concept that's introduced, then there's a twist on it in the middle to back end of the issue which I don't know how they're going to resolve this. So it's fun and I've got a bunch of hellcoins. I've been trying to offload Right. Oh, wow. Well, that's a why great that's...
1: instruction manual then. Let's yeah. talk but about – Yes. The, the, it's also like I'm a little worried that it's going to be kind of like a uh, silver coin situation. You know what I mean? Where every issue is a little bit of a horror tale. So I'm a little well, so worried it's not, about – He
0: talks about the structure of this a little bit in the back matter, he being Charles Soule. This is a six-issue miniseries. Six? Let's see what the... he did there. <laughs> did a typical amount of issues. I understand what you're saying though, but this is six issues. It is going to tell the hell to pay story, but the shrouded college is an overall thing that they're going to do with, I think six different mini series that they have the plan for right now.
2: Um, That's fun. Did you guys get into the shrouded college? I was my safety school for,
0: I I went to shrouded state university. Actually, (laughs) great football
2: team. Great shrouded football team. Um, I feel like the Silver Coin, another comic that we talk about frequently, which is a horror anthology based around a um, very cursed coin. I feel mm-hmm. like that scared you in general.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Because you bring try. it
2: up in a way where you're like, "Well, yeah, but not the Silver Coin. It's not real, right?"
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it. You know that that uh, it's changed coins for me. You know what I mean? You I don't used use coins, be, not anymore. I used it's to be changed, all into it. change, if you will. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> inspired yeah. change. Secret Secret
0: Invasion, number one for Marvel, written by Ryan North, art by Francesco Mobili. This is a title that you can probably figure out why it's happening. It's because there is a Disney Plus series that's coming out next year. Oh, I just Uh, got that. It it is about Nick Fury fighting a bunch of Skrulls. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to do a cash-in miniseries, get Ryan North to write it. Because it's going yes. to go above and beyond in terms of being fun and trippy and weird, and I had a delightful time reading this book. So maybe also you also
1: enjoyed this.
2: You
0: what's know, that? Maybe oh, you
1: shouldn't like point out that maybe it's just a cash grab or something like that. You know what I mean? No, I'm
0: saying it could have been a cash grab, but it is not. It's an actually good miniseries because I yeah. feel like you could walk into the store and see this and be like, "A that has the same logo font as Secret Invasion that I read." I don't know. I want to say 10 years ago, something like that. Or B, you could be like, ah, they're just cashing in on the Disney Plus series, but it is a good comic to
2: read that's right it's not a cash grab it's a quality grab a grab of quality which i love to grab (laughs) yeah i love the same way that pete's stopping and enjoying a dog i'm stopping (laughs) and grabbing some quality uh that's just me for you and i think this is great a nick fury based story which we don't get a lot of these days where he is having a little fun while dealing with something like the vibe when he walks into the room um of this these, this family, uh, the case that he's investigating, he's like, oh boy, this is fucked up. I thought it was great. Ryan North's a great writer who is able to inject uh, not like hard comedy by any means, but like just the ridiculousness of the situations in uh, this comic and a lot of the uh, other superhero situations that our characters are in. So I thought this was great.
1: I also enjoyed it. I think they did a great job with the humor and the uh, art, uh, that is just a fun one, two combination. Uh, they did, this was just, they put a, a smart team on this and, uh, I wish you guys would start t- talking about what a cash grab it is. Cause it doesn't really feel like that. It just feels like a good project and Quality not the it. cash grab at all cash grab i do
0: also <laughs> want to throw out there i appreciate it that nowhere in the book does nick fury be like just to be clear i'm nick fury jr the son of nick fury who is currently a robot on the moon the the fact that we moved past that i'm like i don't need to know i, I didn't even remember until halfway through the book where i was like oh right this is actually nick fury jr in the marvel universe not nick fury in the movie universe it doesn't matter we move beyond I mean, it it's all good
2: I will say that is one of those things that we have moved on as a comic readership, and comic readerships rarely move on from stuff like that. So shout out to to everybody <laughs> not being super caught up on what was. we talk talking about a cash grab. That's way more of a cash grab than having a 100%. secret invasion
1: series.
0: Well, and we had to spend years of the character every time being like,
1: hey, Nick Fury Jr., Yeah, Well, that's the thing. It's like when somebody just shaves out of nowhere and you're thinking, like, is this the same person or is this the – You're talking about – for anybody who's listening on the podcast, uh, Justin recently shaved
0: and we're pretty sure this is Justin's son, Justin Jr.
2: And just to be clear, if you haven't seen me, I shaved my beard but also everything else. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why the guys are just – have questions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I call you the new champion of Justin, and let's talk about the new champion of Shazam, number three from DC Comics, written by Josie Campbell, art by Evan Doc Shader. I love this book. I'll put that out there up front. In this issue, Mary Marvel is continuing to deal with the weird tech magic thing that is attacking Philadelphia, uh, but also in this issue—and Pete is really not going to like my commentary here, but I'm going to go for it anyway— it is dealing with the fact that Mary Marvel has become a meme. She has become a public superhero, and a lot of people are railing on her. This issue of the new champion of Shazam does everything right that She-Hulk did wrong.
1: No, what Aww. a piece of shit. You can't just say something nice.
0: You I absolutely fucking... cannot. I can compare things to other things that are comparable because nope. what happens here is this uses social media, comic, bro. U- social media social media skewering of a female superhero in the right way to motivate the superhero's journey She-Hulk just didn't do. Uh, But it works here. The art is great. The journey is great. Loving this book. Love Mary Marvel. I love the rest of the Marvel family here and how they work everything in. I was super bummed to find out at the end of this issue that the next issue seems to be the last of this
2: because this series
0: is great so far.
1: I – I oh go ahead Justin if you want.
2: I was going to say I really I agree with you. I also really enjoyed this at a time where I feel like Shazam. We we recently watched Black Adam. Shazam seems to be like top of mind. It. I did watch it. Um, top of mind for everyone. What do you mean I didn't watch it? I hundred percent did watch it. That's how I, I was. Yeah, able but it's to a talk. fun running bit that I'm doing. That's not a bit, uh, that's an accusation. Um, and I, Oh, I, I wish I could have fallen asleep during black Adam. As I said, I tried to close my eyes as tight as I could. And I just couldn't shut them because there's too much lightning happening. Um, but, uh, this book is fantastic. It's my favorite Shazam property out there right now. Um, I think the art is great. And to Alex's point, I think it does. Um, it gets into the issues that were covered a little bit in She-Hulk in a, in a very interesting way. Perhaps it's a little bit easier in the comic book format to do that. Um, and I think the art does a great job of sort of telling that story in also an interesting way.
1: All right. Well, let me be the first to just uh, uh, acknowledge something and not put something else down in the process. Uh, I, I think that this— I think you're
2: actually putting uh, Alex and I down while you're yes, saying Yes. Just this.
1: to be clear,
0: you're the same guy who, when we were talking about Deadpool 1 right at the beginning of the podcast, mentioned
1: <laughs> Fuck Island out of nowhere. Right? Go ahead. Uh, wow. Okay. It's fair. It's fair. It's a, it's a fair criticism. And I apologize. All right. Uh, so my point being, uh, this is great. I love the big belly, uh, burger joke. The Vassar t-shirt was hilarious. Badass last panel. Uh, Darla is just fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this is just, um, some, you know, tight ass bananas art. And uh some great story. And uh yeah, I really thought it was a cool comic and a great kind of villain uh intro. I, I felt like it did a great job.
2: Like it's like in a in a couple of weeks we're gonna be Alex and I are gonna be like, I am grooding Pete. Pete's gonna say <laughs> Tight ass bananas, and we're gonna be like, "Yes, I agree with you, Pete. It was actually a pretty good issue." <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what I just want to be make everyone clear. What's happening here? We're seeing a man be rooted in front of our eyes, in front of our ears. He's being rooted. Tight, Tight ass. Rooting himself.
0: <laughs> Tight ass bananas. <laughs> Two other quick things that I want to mention and then we'll move on. I'm a sucker for this anyway, but very good gritty joke in this issue. Uh it was in one of the comments about Mary Marvel, but I thought that was very fun. And the other thing, the villain reveal here, or at least they don't reveal the villain, but I think we know who the villain is. That's Michelle Gomez, right? Like, they legit yeah. cast Michelle Gomez in this comic as the villain in the, the story. I love her, uh, so that was yeah. very fun to see. A Great book, if you're not checking it out. Let's move to a new one and talk about Behold's Behemoth. Number yeah. one, from Boom Studios, written by Tate Bromble, art by Nick Robles. This is about, I, I guess he's a social worker who is tasked with checking out things that are going wrong in different houses at the same time as the world seems to be ending. Also, we're getting flashes of the post-apocalypse at the same time, and there's a lot of time jumping and things going around here. I thought this was very cool and interesting, particularly from the art perspective, how they missed, mixed the future and present storyline, I guess we can call them. Uh, what'd you guys think about it?
1: I agree. I think the the art uh, choices and the art swings that they're taking with the different kind of like, flashbacks of images that we're getting is really cool and very well done. It's disorienting on purpose. I really enjoyed stylistically how this was set up and portrayed. I think this is a fantastic first issue. They're really setting up a lot of different pieces on the board and uh, some very interesting characters some, some people you meet right away where you're like, oh, yo, they did some messed up stuff. Uh, I love the kind of interactions that happen with the main character and others uh yeah i think as a first issue this really kills it
2: um i also enjoyed this i this seems like i feel like it's hard in comics um sometimes to portray people like going off the rails Uh, because there are certain like tropey ways to do that where characters like they're having a montage of like wild images and they wake up and then a cold sweat or whatever but this comic really conveyed the feeling where i was like this is, this is going poorly for this. <laughs> this guy's out of control with this stuff. Um, and it felt, it had the right amount of tension and stress you told through the, the story and the art at the same time, which is like, that's all you can ask for in a comic. And I thought this was a, a good first issue. Next up, Quick Stops,
0: number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Kevin Smith, art by Jeremy Simser. This is focusing on the guy from Chasing Ab and catching up with him as a comic con. And he, sure. And he tells the origin of Bluntman and Chronic, and then maybe, I don't know, tees up Clerks 3 or something.
2: Sure does. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, you know, I watched uh, Mallrats, when I was young, yeah. I was like, this movie's My
1: kids, back on the escalator
2: Yeah, a lot of fun stuff in there Reading this comic um, and, and let me say also, Mallrats, Clerks Like big movies of their day Innovative um, mm-hmm. Felt mm-hmm. like edgy, young, cool um, I think the edge is gone I think we've lost the edge here. This book feels a little out of step and a little older when it's trying to appear, I think, or to feel young and still having that edge. And that's, that's just a tough thing to write toward, I think. And also this book is telling the origin of blunt man and chronic, which are Batman parodies, but they're treated as if they just came up with them whole cloth. And I'm like, you can't do that That doesn't make any sense They're like Look I have a We have a blunt cave I was like Yeah I know Because you have a bat cave It's a bat cave Like uh, they're acting like It's this big Huge creative leap But I'm like no, no it's not So like I I don't know There was just some stuff here That I was like This doesn't Isn't quite hidden. So
1: you wanted them to Really get into The Batman origin story first And then put the Blunt man No I, I wanted like, to, uh, What is uh, Batman's Origin story How did he get his yeah. powers You know his bat Does he powers? like pearls Or doesn't he? I I think this is I I didn't look at it as trying to be edgy. I think it was just like, hey, uh, did you like quirks clerks? Uh, Well, here's kind of a memory lane of older movies that are kind of uh, older done by this guy. That's kind of from the dude from the movie that you like. Telling stories about the stuff that you like. I just felt like it was like, hey, if you like this, you'll like this, and this is just kind of story time with Ben Affleck. So I thought like, hey, it's a, it was a fun trip down memory lane. I didn't think it was going to be like unbelievably sharp or witty or whatever. I just felt like, yeah, I liked Mall rats. I like clerks. You know, chasing Amy happened. So, like, whatever. I'm, you know, I read this and was like, oh, cool. You yeah, know, similar. Uh, hmm. Same kind of.
0: I'll just throw humor. out
1: there. There was this tweet that Kevin
0: Smith sent out. I'm looking at it right now. July 9th, 2009, where he says, 10 years in and we bone like we're cheating on each other with each other. A decade plus and her clit brown tate area still pones my dick. Uh, this feels like Kevin Smith poning his own dick. <laughs> what, what did so you just great. What did you just do man i read a tweet and then i commented on it
2: oh yeah uh i think that's accurate alex and i just think if like this the clerks or mall universe of characters i think they can't do the same thing i can't hear jay be doing snoochie <laughs> boochie still i want to see jay being like finding something else that's funny like what's there's an evolution there i would think if the point is that he's not evolving, then I want to highlight that. If he is evolving, I want to see that. But instead it just feels like it's doing the same thing again. And I don't want to uh, lump on everything too hard because I think it's fine. It's just, there's opportunity here. And instead it feels like we're doing the
0: same. Th- thing. This is playing to the crowd is essentially what it is. I if Unless you're like deep in the Jay and Silent Bob universe, I don't know why you would care about this. I'm sorry. I know that's harsh, and we don't tend to be harsh, but that is is what it is. Speaking of deep in the universe, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Cosmic Rewind, number one for Marvel, written by Kevin Chittick, art by Gerardo Sandoval. This is a prequel comic to Cosmic Rewind, the ride that is now at Disneyland, uh, which definitely made me hesitant to check it out. But what did you guys think about this one?
2: Uh, well that, I mean, (laughs) reading this, I was like, what does this mean? Um, in the larger context, it makes me think we're going to see a lot of the characters sitting down for interviews on this ride. (laughs) Um, and maybe that's the connection point because there is like a whole thing where all the other guardians keep taking, um, Peter Quill's interview that he's supposed to be doing with the uh, Nova supercomputer, um, but I mean, this is like a fun little check in with the ver out of the very non continuity versions of all of these guardians characters,
1: yeah, I agree. It's just kind of like a fun uh entry point for this kind of issue. It's a fun kind of running bit, yeah, this is just I feel like they do a great job of getting the humor that is guardians in the galaxy. It feels very much in line with all the other kind of guardian stuff. Uh, great art, fun bits. I Yeah, I enjoyed this. This
0: is a tricky line to walk with this sort of thing because you've got to embrace the movie versions of the Guardians while still being in the Marvel Universe version continuity, which is what you definitely get through the art. I think Kevin Shinnick, who has written, uh, he wrote the Bebo Holiday Special for Legends of Tomorrow, among other things, Mm. um, is good at, like, he's good at walking that line and, like, kind of making that thing work. So, like you guys are saying, I I don't know that there's a great need to pick up this comic book, but if you want to read a fun check-in with, hey, here's who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, check it out. Like, it goes sort of of above and beyond the assignment in terms of, being a fun book that is enjoyable to read.
2: One thing, continue to talk about like gateway comics. If you have a friend who loves the Guardians or any MCU movies and you're like, they're like, what comic should I read? This is a good sort of bridge comic uh, because it very much feels like the movies, but it is a a good comic on its own merits. So it's um, worth reading from that perspective.
0: The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number two for DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Carmine Gian Domenico and Francesco Francavia. This is following the story of the Joker, who has moved to Los Angeles and declared war on the entire world. At the same time, there is another Joker wandering around Gotham City, who we catch up with this issue the back matter is a weird potentially out of continuity story of the Joker with art by Francesca Francavilla as usual i can't believe that Pete didn't say burgundy at any point <laughs>
1: uh yeah i just think uh, this is uh this is very interesting uh, stories uh uh with a lot of twists and turns. I can't believe that it, it's this kind of bit of the two jokers has been still kind of going on. So I'm interested to see if this is really gonna pay off or not. Um in this. Um and yeah, I, you know the you know, you've heard me say it a thousand times, but the the art on this is just tight bananas. It's just yeah. super tight bananas. You know? Would you
2: call them tight ass bananas?
1: I would. I would go that or far. Tight ass
2: bananas, yeah. Yeah. Um I, well, why is it so strange to see two Jokers? I mean, I feel like we've been dealing with two Jokers sort of in general, one in L.A. Um, and one in our... In well, I'd say one
0: in Florida and another one in Florida.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. I would say the one to the world. left of me and one to the right of me. Yeah, no, this is, this is a, okay, we're going for different things. Everyone, it's that's fine. good.
2: Everyone had a different idea yeah. there. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, this is fun. I love a guy named Bergie who makes comics. And um, the art on both stories is uh, great and unique in its own way.
0: Really good. This is a really good tight package. You should definitely be picking up. Great story going on I,
1: here. And to answer your question, Alex, I just like to keep you on your toes. You know what I mean? Yeah, great. Thanks,
0: Ben. I really appreciate it. Old Dog, Dever Two, um, from Image Comics by Dirkland Shalvey. <laughs> <laughs> this is about a old guy through various sci fi needs. <laughs> has been mm-hmm. brought forward to present times after a coma and is back in the spy game. We're getting to done in one adventures here. If you haven't listened to our interview with Declan Chalvi on the live show, go back and yes. listen to that because he went to into- talk to him about this comic, oh my man. God, I'm going to kill you about all, everything that went into this comic. I was honestly a little nervous about this one because the first issue was so strong and so interesting, but I think he crushed it with the second one as well. What did you guys think?
1: Yeah, I'm, ha- oh, you go, I, I, I'm having a blast with this. Uh, you know, I just feel like this old guy is just curmudgeony enough uh, to be able to kind of pull off all this crazy stuff that he's set up for. So I, I'm having a blast. I feel like the art really does a great job of sucking into this world. And, um, yeah, I think the amount of action and storytelling that we're getting in each issue is really well balanced. And there's just kind of like this interesting reveal that we see kind of happen twice a little differently. And, uh, I, I just think it's really well done. You can tell that, uh, this is a very thought out story and uh, very well executed. I've been, I've been really su- pleasantly surprised with this book and it constantly continues to keep surprising me, which is great.
2: Do you think down the line the three of us are going to meet in diners like Old Dog and his buddy, just like catching up? You're still in the podcast game. Uh, Uh, What's going on, you old bastard? Yeah, that's it's inevitable piece of shit. It almost it's not that many years off. Let's let's be honest. (laughs) Like next week. Let's be honest. Yeah. Ah, soup. Who's getting soup? Um, I uh, I also like this comic. I think. Um the it, it seems to be about being old a little bit more than i thought it is it was going <laughs> yeah. to be which is uh, which i like um it's in the it, title it's in the title but it in the the first issue i didn't know i mean the the main character obviously wakes up and is old. many years older um but i do think the um the combination of him and his estranged daughter is what's most fun about this series i think and we only get a little bit of it here but it feels like that's going to expand oh, as there. we're going for it's it in there it is yeah. in there. Do you keep, uh, Pete? Do you ever want to stop and enjoy an old dog on the side of the road when you're hanging out? Oh yeah, any dog, old dog, <laughs> young dog. Great. And again, just the word, word enjoy. The word enjoy is the word you chose.
0: Yeah, I love <laughs> my favorite
2: old dogs are the ones that are like
0: <laughs> meow, meow. Uh, yeah, love that. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, Speaking of which, let's talk about another dog-based book, Tiger Division number one. (laughs) (laughs) Written by Emily Kim, art by Chris Lee. This is a book focusing on a Korean super team that all has different secrets and origins and are all having problems working together. I was very surprised about the fun, goofy tone that was going on here. I expected it, honestly, to be a little more serious, but I had a good time reading this book. This feels like a very all Ages book that you could really just add to a kid and be like, check this out. These are heroes you don't know. You'll get to know them. Enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Introduction of a new super team uh, and feels like it has that great, like, uh, style uh, pioneer to the 90s of like, getting all the characters out there. Uh, you meet them. There's an adventure happening. You're following one or two of them as they're exploring a personal side of their mm. uh, of their own character, which I thought was cool. And I thought the art I really liked by Crease Lee, an artist mm. that I hadn't uh, seen before.
1: I agree. The art, the art is uh, great. Reminds me a little bit of like a Jim Lee type of thing with the sharpness of edges and stuff. But also like... Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much this is geared towards kids. Like, I understand what you're saying, but, uh, you know, uh, you give that to a kid. They might think when you die, you're just going to become like a hologram and interact with people all the time. But, uh, well, it's a good point. You're right, Alex. You don't, I don't know that, you know, maybe there there is a lot of that going on, but, uh, I do think this is a great issue. Very cool first issue, setting things up. I really love all the choices being made. Um, it's rare when you're kind of like reading a comic and you're seeing the choices happen and you're kind of like, oh, great, that was a cool use of that uh, well executed. So I was really impressed with this and uh, I, I'm excited for more. And I'll also give a shout out to Marvel doing
0: this because I kind of expect this move to do this sort of team from D.C., Which, Mm. frankly, I think experiments a lot more in the current past two to three years or so. But here, getting a team like this, I wish they do more stuff like this. Like, I checked, and I was like, is this based on a video game? What's going on here? Is this some sort of thing on something else? It's not. It's just a new property that they're trying, and that's great. Do more, please. Exciting, Yeah. Dark Knights of Steel, number eight from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Yasmin Putri. Things are really heating up here in the old-timey DC universe as the various factions are starting to go to war and we're getting a sense of who is behind the manipulation of everything. As usual with the Tom Taylor book, he is tightening the screws on everybody. It's getting very tense, but it is so good and exciting to read.
1: Yeah, I've been really present. Bra, bra. I've been very surprised by this presence. book. Every issue, uh, every issue keeps <laughs> getting better. Uh, uh, I really think this is a, such a cool story and so creative. And The deeper we get into it, the more I'm happy with the choices being made. Uh, they have some really great covers. Uh, you know, crazy type bananas art. Uh, I just love all the action and story. And the, uh, uh, the second to last panel was also really amazing. I'm having just such a uh, blast with it. Um, just super cool. I feel like we're in
2: some sort of Tom Taylor renaissance almost I here. agree. Uh, I feel like we've gotten on so many great books. And I think this one does such a great job with the details. Like the details of mapping our, our modern day heroes on the uh, sword and sorcery um, world uh, in a cool way while letting their individual personalities shine. We get some great um, Green Arrow uh, Black Canary moments here, which I'm mm-hmm. always, as Pete would say, I'm always a sucker for. Uh, right? You love it. Yeah. I'm loving it. Um, I'm
1: loving it. It's, a, it's one of your favorite uh, uh, couples. Love? love? It's one of your favorite couples. Yeah. They're a great couple. I hope They're... they work it out. Yeah, oh, me too. Oh, man. That would be great.
0: Let's talk about That Texas Blood, number 19, from Image Comics, written by Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips. The end of this arc here, and I'll tell you, I was a little confused by the back matter, but I think it's just the end of the arc, not the end of the series, right?
2: thats I certainly hope hope so. so. 19 is a weird issue to go out on.
0: Definitely. But we're getting the end of this very like Halloween-style serial killer arc where there has been a killer terrorizing this town during snowfall back in the 1970s or
2: 80s, something like it's that. A blizzard. Oh, yes. A Texas blizzard.
0: Great stuff. And I want to give a shout out in particular here to Jacob Phillips' art, which yeah. reminded me, I mean, this is a very one-to-one, but there's this book back in the day by Greg Rucka called White Out, which oh, yeah. also oh, yeah. takes place like in a lot of snow, as you can tell from this title. And this... Just use that so effectively with the differences between the white and the dark and the red of the blood that's splashing on the snow. It's so evocative and so well done. I love that we've gotten three, three different arcs at this point, four different arcs of this book, and every single one of them has felt vastly different.
2: Yeah, they do a great job on this book. I mean, I'm in the tank for this book and have been from the jump. Um, it's very good. The way the the variety of stories they're telling across the different arcs is amazing, especially for something that felt very much like Texas World Cop, just trying to get through his day. And now we've gone into some like very cult focused stuff. This serial killer. And this arc has been just great on its own. Super stark, the art really pops, like Alex is saying. But the characters so tense in this issue as the killer's closing in. Uh, please, uh, top pick for the week. Second, for me, second best book of the week.
1: Wow. Mm. Well, I, yeah, I just think that this is this has been uh, top shelf uh, for a while. This is just really impressive and image. Uh, uh, if it, I meant, you know, like you know, above the rest is what I was going for. Oh, oh, like wait. Yeah. So I not. wasn't talking about the, who put out the comic, you piece of shit. Uh, but my it's point sort of being, a dark horse, you'd say, of, no, uh, in the comic, no, in the no, no, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I would, uh, I would say, but boom, what you think this is the, exciting. All right. What did you think uh, about the images? Yeah Uh, yeah. Well that's Thank you I'm trying to get to that You're you're Uh, sort of
2: marveling Over this
1: Yeah It leads with the art Which I really appreciate I feel like they left the artist Sorry
0: Are you saying I don't want to do this bit Or IDW
2: If you will That one was worth it. That was worth coming around for Pete. So you nice. gotta give give them props for that. that was great.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I just feel like uh, they did a great job of letting the artists kind of shine and really kind of be the focus of the storytelling in such a creative, cool way. Um, the the villain in this is just so creepy and barely is there. You know, it's kind of like a Jaws situation where just the tension of knowing the villain is there is is enough. So, uh, yeah, just really well made, uh, well put together, and art led. So, really impressive. Boom Studios. <laughs>
0: Punisher number seven from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Jesus Saez and Paul as This is continuing the story of the Punisher, who is now the leader of the hand. He is working for the beast. And after the cliffhanger of the last issue where Daredevil showed up, we are getting that fight as well as a lot more about Mary, Mary Castle, who is his former wife, who is now uh, back. Maria, oh, maybe. My, Maria, excuse me. Sorry, there you go. Uh, And so we're getting the backstory there. We're getting this story with the fight. This book is phenomenal.
2: This was my favorite read of the week. This was, I thought, so good. And Pete, I'm not trying to eat your lunch, but I love your lunch. Um, Stop eating lunch. It's a great lunch.
1: Stop Um, eating my lunch.
2: I think the way that Jason Aaron is sort of – Finding a way in on the Punisher that I haven't heard before. We're we're getting um, the perspective of Maria. We're getting her voice here. And we get to hear a lot of the two of them sort of together and what it was like with them before. Like, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting where you have this kind of Daredevil Punisher showdown. And what happens most of this comic is just conversation. The, the dialogue mm-hmm. and the reveals in this is so exciting. and so informative and moving. You just kind of, you don't miss the violence and the action. It's, it's just speaks uh, such volumes for the writing team.
0: Well, to throw it out there, there was two things that I wanted to mention. One, like you're saying, the cuts back and forth from this backstory, which gets a much more expansive version in this issue, contrasted with Daredevil and Punisher are fighting the entire time. So it is a fight scene. So it keeps cutting back to this fight scene. It makes that fight scene so much more tense because you have these stakes of the backstory. But I was really curious to hear from you, Pete, in particular, because you care so much about the Punisher. This feels like a huge reinvention of the Punisher here. We delve very deeply into his PTSD coming back from the war Living in a tent in the backyard, Maria being scared of him, I think we are getting to the point where they, you know, are understanding each other a little better. We're not quite there in this issue, but it's such a vast reinvention of they were a happy family. They went on a picnic, some mobsters kill him, and then he became the Punisher. Instead, the way that Jason Aaron is framing it is he was always destined to become the Punisher. The hand was pushing him in that direction, but that's something that was inside of him anyway, and it was always there. How, as a Punisher fan, and I'm legitimately asking, honestly, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, what's what's very interesting is, you know, we're getting more of Frank's human side than we ever had. And it's crazy because if you would have said to me, oh yeah, uh Frank Castle is going to be the beast, uh, you know, working for the hand, you wouldn't think that you'd be getting so much of his kind of like origin story and his kind of struggle with post uh, after war, post-traumatic stress. It's such a cool combination and done so well to kind of, Give you more uh, than you've ever had, really, with Frank's kind of story, the human side of Frank. So it's such a creative, cool choice um and what's great is it feels in the realm of the character they're not commi- they're not changing big things they're doing some tweaks that feel uh, uh alongside the character which i as a huge fan really appreciate this has been mm-hmm. such a growing kind of experience uh as far as getting to know the uh the character the someone who would make this kind of crazy choice to become the punisher and why and all this stuff uh, just a kind of an interesting look inside their brain. You know, Justin always wants to get inside people's heads. This is, yeah. they're doing it in such an interesting way. Um, where it's not him talking, it's other people kind of like sharing their experience. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, such a great idea and such a kind of, uh, uh, introduction to what people come back from, you know, Things like that, traumatic things, and how they try to put their lives back together or try to find some kind of functioning way to kind of uh, live. Uh, just very, very cool. Art is amazing. The stuff that is happening in this comic is amazing. It's There's so much tension underneath everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is just a legendary run of The Punisher right now, and it's uh, it's a great time to be alive. Uh, wow
2: (laughs) what a final (laughs) statement um i next up i really want to get inside the picnic basket you know like i want to get a a gritty yeah gritty take on what was in that um picnic yeah get jason aaron and this
0: team on yogi bear next like we want to find out what's happening at jellystone get a dark gritty take bring back uh I don't know. I can't think of any other. Characters.
2: Wow, yeah, you can't really think of any to other to Yogi get, Bear characters. Yeah. No, I really can't. Wow. I think that he was sort of the focus, really. Yeah. Wait, who's the little bear? Boo boo,
0: boo boo. <laughs> hey, boo <boo-boo>. boo. <laughs> I Be got a big basket for you. All right. Gotham City, year one, number two from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Phil Hester. In this issue, we're continuing to follow a retcon, another retcon, two in a row, of Gotham City, thanks to Slam Bradley, who is investigating a mystery that is redefining not just Gotham City and its origin, but also the Batman and where he came from. We I think we're very excited about the first
2: issue. What do you think about the second one? I love Slam Bradley. I love on this story. This Martha, she's different. She's wild.
1: Mm. Uh, Yeah, I feel like the I love the noir feel to Gotham in this book. Such a, a great artistic choice that's being made here. Uh, these year ones have been really great, and I look forward to them uh, You know, every time we get them on the poll list. So, yeah, I've, I've been, been enjoying this.
2: You didn't find it confusing that it was year one number two? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I love <laughs> Good, Phil
0: Hester's art. He is absolutely perfect for yes. a noir story. Tom King clearly loves living in this world as well, and I'll follow him everywhere. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I am a little hesitant about the idea that, like, oh, there's a character that was the Batman before Batman. And now we meet a character who we met in the first issue, and I won't spoil who it is, but there's a character who's, like, basically Catwoman in here as well. Yeah. So I have questions about where this is going. And obviously, I'm going to keep reading it. And I'm sure Tom King will answer it in a way where I'm like, Okay, that makes sense. That works. I get it because again, that's what he always does. But there was definitely more hesitance from reading this issue than I had mm, from the last issue, Interesting. I was huh. Let's talk about Antioch number 2 from Image Comics written by Patrick yeah. Kinlen, art by Marco What's? Ferrari. This is a spin-off of Frontiersman that finds this character Antioch in prison, prison, excuse me, with Frontiersman and fighting a new enemy here that both of them don't really know necessarily. Uh, we were, I think, pleasantly surprised by the first issue here. How do we think the second held up?
2: Uh, I like this comic a lot. I think it's really getting us in the the prison mindset um, in, a, in a deep divey way that um, a lot of comics, I think, I don't think do. And something we've said about a lot of these Frontiersman universe comics, they go so much harder than they than I expected them to by creating this universe and having such like fidelity to it. Like they're very specific with all their moves as, which is something I always love.
1: Yeah. I just think that they're, they're doing a great job here with setting things up to pay off. Like the fact that they kept mentioning the magical witch that is kind of keeping all their powers in check is such a great kind of like setup to what I feel is going to be an amazing reveal. I'm I'm really Are happy. You with it. No. Yeah. I'm just really happy with the choices <laughs> being made in this comic. I feel like the art is very cool. It's also got a fun Street Fighter kind of feel to it. And I mean that in a compliment type of way. Uh yeah, I, I'm I feel like this is a creative, cool comic. I can't wait to see what's happens next. Hmm. I got a little bit more of a battle to its vibe, but I see what you're saying, Pete. How dare you? Wow.
0: Survival Street number 4 from Dark Horse Comics written by James Asmus and Jim Festante art by Adam on the show we had them on the show they talked about Survival Street this is a dark take on Sesame Street type characters that are fighting a post apocalypse that has been taken over by corporations each issue focuses on a different societal issue and here it is all coming to bear on the final issue I uh, can't believe how hard they crushed it in hey. uh, this final issue, but they 100% did. The
2: no comic goes harder than Survival Street. Like this comic from the cover, which is them destroying the Muppet Show set, um, all the way through to just. The the way they like just idea on top of idea like these are puppets that are um, sick of the way the world works hyper violence Fox News uh, style um, uh, situation here it's it's really good
1: yeah I love the badass kind of like countdown that we get at the end of this this is such a I, I I love this comic I'm super impressed with the writing the art is such a. Fun take on all of this. Yeah, this is uh, a really great package of, of writing and art style that very much delivers. Uh, if you look at the cover and you're like, Oh, huh, cool, fun. I like what you, they did. You should definitely pick this up because it is, is all that. And then some.
0: She-Hulk number seven from Marvel written by Raven, Rowell, rainbow Rowell. excuse me, art by Luco Maresca. I feel like I mentioned this a little bit on the live show, but I what they are going for crisp, crisped in for me in the last issue, and it really came to bear here. This is a modern take on a romance comic, and I think that's yeah. something that you don't really get at all. We're getting She-Hulk romancing Jack of Hearts, a perfect character to romance, uh, and it's <laughs> working splendidly. I love reading this book.
2: Uh, Agreed. On top of that, I really love the romance, especially that kicks off the issue. And then we get into the She-Hulk stuff that was covered in some of the um, more famous runs on the comic and the uh, recent series um, on TV, which I guess we watched um, and maybe had some thoughts on. Um, In the case of the week style uh, storytelling, we get some great characters popping up here. Victor um, Mancha and um, the Doombot from Runaways. Uh, Love those characters. Love to see them here. (laughs) Uh, this is a fun read,
1: yeah. I, I think this is a great use of awesome Andy, and the Doombot stuff is just hysterical. And the fun use of her lawyer skills for this, I think this is a, just just a, a great comic. I mean, I'm not sure how into the uh Jack of Hearts guy I am, but uh, you know, as long as she hulks happy, then I'm happy for her. <laughs> uh, but man, uh, yes, yeah, nice. this is just a well-drawn, fun comic that does such a, a great job of, of of playing in this kind of lawyer, Marvel kind of superhero world. If, like, if superheroes were real, like, what would that mean for a lawyer for them and all that kind of stuff. So I think this is great. Batman number 129 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky,
0: art by Jorge Jimenez and Leonardo Romero. We're continuing the arc of Failsafe, a robot that Batman built to take down Batman, has taken over Gotham City. Batman is hiding out with Aquaman and trying to stay safe, but this issue, he takes the fight directly to Failsafe. Things go as apocalyptically as you might expect from there. I say this every issue. I can't believe the amount of tension that is coming out of this comic book. Every issue. And just
2: just big budget blockbuster movie storytelling here. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just a a Batman standalone or a Bat Family story. Like, we're touching on the Bat Family. We're touching on the Justice League. We've got Batman... Um, all over the world and in space, trying to take down this character. This feels like it could have been a six-issue Justice League crossover book, but instead, it's a fantastic um, arc in the main Batman comic. Um, so, I got to give it up for Chip Zdarsky for the broad uh, scale of his storytelling um, being told in this um, in this
1: series. These uh, these covers are tight bananas. I mean, this is just crazy fun. It really feels like a great issue of a batman comic is everything you kind of want and they're doing it uh uh to 11 here so this is very enjoyable
0: this is i'll throw this out here this is going to sound like a negative thing but this just kind of occurred to me fail safe is such a good villain it's like the batman who laughs where you get this intro Mm. you're like that's awesome and then they're going to do it 15 more times. They're going to be like, please stop it with fail save."
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, it's true, though. Batman Who Laughs was everywhere. But I think we've phased out from him. Ah. Good, that good is done. We're it's on to fail over. safe
0: now. It's fail yeah. time. Bloodstained teeth. Number six from image comics written by Christian Ward art by Mac charter. In this issue, we're switching perspective to a new character rather than our main vampire that has to hunt down other vampires. I believe we're finding out about one of the vampires that he's going to need to hunt down and how they came to be. Love this perspective shift. Think this is a really smart time to do this for this series to really switch it up and give us the stakes here of everything that's going on. Great, love this issue. One of my favorites of the run so
1: far. Hell's yeah! The, I I love the switch. Uh, I I love the kind of uh, uh it also raises the stakes a little bit. I I just think that this is such a. Uh, not only well drawn comic but such a cool way to kind of tell this story i'm I'm really impressed with the moves being made and all the badass stuff we get in this issue tossing heads on desks. Come on man, this is exciting uh this is just a this is a tight ass package right here yeah it's an ass package and a tight one at
2: that i that's agree. right. Um, heads are made to be put on desks. That's why you have a job to get a head on it. Um, uh, <laughs> we had Christian Ward on our live show, uh, recently, um, had a nice chat with him. And one thing that he said was that he wanted every issue of this series to feel different. And I think, um, that really worked and that's what's happening yeah. here. New perspective, uh, heart wrenching story here and, uh, a great, um, a great switch up. I thought. <laughs>
0: Predator, Predator number four. From also, Marvel. I just
1: wanted to just say okay. it's nice to hear when we have guests on the show. You know what I mean? Uh, thank you, Justin, for making that comment. Pete, you
0: yeah. should really come to the live show at some point. You would really get some information about it. Yeah,
1: you would products. love it,
2: Pete. It's really fun. Yeah, we, have tri- nice. we have this We have this trivia section. We interview guests,
0: and we don't actually just ask them about just the wall behind them, but the books they're talking about. It's
2: weird. Well.
1: Yeah, you It takes a, a
2: village, guys, and we all have our own interview styles. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's all about chemistry. Pete's always looking at the wall. Can't believe he hasn't brought up some of this stuff behind me yet on this podcast, but sure. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. You can't force it.
0: Pete, I have some low-key charms behind me. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I said when uh, what I originally saw when I saw it. I was like, what is that? Some oh, okay. lucky fucking charms you got back there? And it's was like, no, it's Loki charms based on the TV show Loki. Predator
0: number four from Marvel, written by Ed Bryson, art by Kev Walker. In this issue, our drunk heroine is taking on one of the Predators. Doesn't go so well, and things get worse by the end. What did you guys think about this?
2: Don't drink and pred you know? It's mm-hmm. just hard to, to, to be at the top of your game um, when you're going head to head, a predator to predator. Um, but um, we've talked about this before, how I think this, along with the Aliens uh, series that Marvel has been doing, are really, um, really successful. They really capture the tone of the movie. And this one continues to be just like a full bore gas pedal to the floor storytelling in the Predator style
1: yeah i mean there's you know two two philosophies if you're gonna fight predators one you know you're gonna need to stay sharp and be ready or fuck it you're going up against a predator you better be fucking drunk because otherwise you know you won't be able to deal so uh this uh chose the latter, uh fun choice yeah i love all the art and action in this comic this you know i've I would think I would be over the predator or not excited to pick up another predator book, but uh each time I'm uh, pleasantly surprised and impressed with the uh, product that we're getting. And this is no exception. This is a ton of fun and uh, some amazing art.
0: Earth Divers, number two from IDW Publishing, written by Stephen Graham Jones, art by David Gianfeliche. This follows a bunch of post-apocalyptic survivors who are traveling back in time, or rather they've sent one of them back in time, to kill Columbus and essentially change the course of American history. So we're following both timelines as we go. Last issue, our back-in-time guy met Columbus and is now trying to figure out how he should kill him and when he should kill him, as well as what's going on with the time travel. And in the future timeline, we're getting some very weird twists there as they try to figure out what potentially has changed with the timeline. I think we're all pretty high on the first issue. How did we feel about the second one?
2: Um, I dance with this, IDW. I dance with this book. Um, I think it's good. And um, I like (laughs) the way it it has the sort of... uh, Wide look at this, like, we have to kill Columbus to save the future, while also getting, like you're saying, Alex, getting into some sort of genre e stuff that I definitely didn't see coming. I uh, love the individual choices. I don't know if I can get behind what our main character in Who's Traveled Back in Time is doing currently at the end of the our time with him and the issue, because that's risky, you know?
1: Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your process with us a little bit. Like you kind of look at a comic and you think to yourself, can I dance with this? Could I, you know, hold hands and maybe uh, get down to some music with this? And it's good to know that you could dance with this. I dance Uh, with. Well, I'm glad that you uh, uh, danced the night away with this comic. I, I would love to see some video of that. I think it would be a lot of fun for the viewers. Uh, to be able to uh, check out. I'm just suggesting something for Patreon. You dancing with some comics would be a lot of fun.
2: I dance with my comics
1: behind closed doors. Oh, okay. All right. Well, hey, you know, whatever. I don't just
2: walk up to, like, say, uh, hypothetically a dog on the street and enjoy it in front of everybody. Oh, Most well.
0: of the stuff you dance with is licensed properties, but they have you have been starting to do some
2: originals, right? That's right, hundred percent. I dance with the originals. Yeah, now. wow,
1: nice, good for you. Yeah, I mean the art on this. You is like really to cr- since it's I uh, you, I
0: dance with you like to pop and lock and key. Wow, yeah. Are you
1: proud of yourself on that one? <laughs> Definitely not. Okay, great. Uh, I, yeah, I think the art is just bananas. tight on this. This is some really fun. Art just choices. real quick.
2: Sorry to interrupt you, Pete, but it's very funny that you're making fun of both Alex and I, and then you just throw out bananas. Type uh, without any sort of fear <laughs> no, of retribution. No
1: fear. No. Yeah. No moment of pause or of reflection. No. No. Maybe no. I should learn from what's what's being said or what's That's happening. That's confidence. But, yeah. So, yeah, uh, the art is the main thing that I liked in this book. Uh, I felt like the first issue was cool. The second issue got a little weird. I'm hoping maybe we write the ship a little bit. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens in the next one. Last but not least,
0: Little Monsters, number seven from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn. In this issue, we're going to get a big bunch of backstory About how our little vampires got trapped in the city and why we don't get all of the answers here, but that cuts between what is going on in the present for us and these other characters. What'd you think about this one?
2: Big thematic issue, I thought, for number seven here. I think the theme we get a lot of like before and after, which I think is sort of signaling like what it is to be a kid. Where everything's nice and you're sort of like getting along and the stakes are a little are low, but you see the seeds that will eventually lead to conflict. And then we see the after when the conflict is just happening. So I I really um, liked the sort of putting displaying that theme so directly for us.
1: I mean, obviously the art is amazing in this book. I mean, this is, you know, a legendary artist here who's who's done amazing things with A sender and D sender. So it's nice to see this kind of continue uh, worth the art alone. Um and uh yeah, I mean you know, that they, they kind of had a nice nostalgia moment for me where it would kind of stopped action to be like, Hey, remember boom boxes? Oh, fun, right? They were cool.
0: Good stuff. And if you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club live.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, we'll see you at the uh, dancing tight Bananas shop.
2: Yeah! We make sense.